This is the All Into Clemson Football Podcast, the official, unofficial podcast of the Clemson Tigers. What is up, everybody? Briley here, and welcome to Notre Dame Week, baby! We've got a great interview with Pete Sampson on tap for you today, but don't forget to come back on Friday as Carter and I talk even more in-depth about the biggest game of the season this Saturday. I also really want to hear from you, and I want to play some of your voice messages on that episode on Friday. So find the link in this episode's show notes and drop us a short message to let us know who you think is going to win the game on Saturday. Alrighty, let's take a quick 30-second break to hear from our sponsor, Anchor Podcasts, and then we will play the interview. Hey, well, this is going to be a great episode today because we are welcoming to the pod Pete Sampson, who is the Notre Dame beat writer for The Athletic, and also he's the host of the Shamrock Podcast. Pete, how's it going today? Good. It's uh, it's a crazy week. It, you know, if you looked at this week before the season started and just you hoped that it was going to be 7-0 and over 7-0, and or as it turns out, 7-0 and over 6-0. and And I mean, we're not getting everything we wanted. There's no Trevor Lawrence. There's no you know, 80,000 in the stadium on Saturday night, but we're getting pretty close to everything we wanted. So it's, this is just an exciting week for even, even for us uh, cynical media types to, to, (laughs) to get into this one. Yeah, I mean, I guess last week was a little against the script, but here we are. We're both yeah. they're both undefeated, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a great game. So uh, you mentioned the stadium. What's what's the atmosphere going to be like? What what's it like in South Bend? How's it been so far this year? It's you know it's been okay. Um, I think in some ways you can you can sense sort of the flow of different opponents. Um, it's really students, faculty, and staff only. There's no outside fans. Um, Watching the Clemson game against Boston College, I feel like Clemson has figured out a way to get a lot more people in there than what Notre Dame has. Their, their crowds have been sort of in the around 10,000, um, you know, against Florida State, um, against Duke in the opener. I thought there was decent atmosphere in there against Louisville when it was windy and kind of a little cold. There wasn't. Um, but I, I expect it to feel kind of loud, like, if you're watching it on TV, it won't be one of those games where you're wondering like, do they pipe in noise or not? Cause they haven't done that. And it won't feel awkwardly quiet either. I, I feel like it, there will be some big game atmosphere on Saturday, even if it's not, you know, the typical 80,000 kind of thing. Yeah. I expect uh, more fans to come out for Clemson than uh, yeah. say Louisville or something like that. I would think. And it looks like the weather is supposed to be nice too on Saturday. I know it's like the one time people in the Midwest are like, Nice weather. Why? Like, why did this have to happen? Like, you're hoping for, uh, you know, 27 degrees and flurries to add to uh, the Southern team coming to the upper Midwest. Yeah, yeah. Well, I actually grew up, we didn't talk about this. I grew up in Indiana, in Indianapolis, okay. actually. So not too far away from uh, South Bend there, a few hours. But yeah, it's kind of unusual. You would get a day in the upper 60s in November for sure. So uh, Clemson should be thanking their lucky stars yeah. for that one. <laughs> so, uh, hey, you've been covering Notre Dame for a real long time. Is this like the biggest game that you've covered? Or uh, were you here for like the USC, the Bush push and things like that? I did cover the Bush push game. Um, I would say that one was bigger um, because I mean, in some ways, because like the world we were living in, everyone could sort of be there, but that, you know, that the star power of that team, um, you know, even if liner was, or I'm sorry, even if Lawrence was playing, I think the Lawrence ETN, like those are great 
Hall of Fame college football players. Like, I don't want to take anything away from those guys. But Liner and Bush, the rivalry with USC, sort of the LA, Notre Dame had been getting really beaten down by USC the previous four, three or three seasons. So like that element was part of it. They had a pep rally in the stadium the night before the game was half filled. I mean, they had 35,000 people at a pep rally that, that felt like it was not just the center of the college football universe, but the center of like the sports universe, this one, I don't want to say only, but like it, it only feels like the center of the college football universe, which is still awesome. Don't get me wrong. But, um, this is a, this is a clear number two. Um, I think that everyone that covers Notre Dame would tell you this is the biggest game since the Bush push game. And if Notre Dame wins, it would be the biggest win since the 1993 game against Florida state. So that's pretty big, pretty big stakes. Uh, when you look at a little bit more historically. Yeah, I think you, I, I heard you on the, on the podcast say something along the lines, correct me if I'm wrong, but that, uh, if Trevor Lawrence had been playing, then maybe this would be right up there with one of the you know the biggest games uh, to ever be played at Notre Dame Stadium. And now that he's gone, it's just simply it could be the biggest win in Brian Kelly's tenure. Right. Yeah. The best win in his 11 seasons is still pretty good. Right. Um, yeah. And it's I, I do think it would be one of those games if Lawrence was playing and Notre Dame had won, it would be. You know, maybe it would be right there with like 88 Miami and 93 Florida State or the green jersey game against USC from the 70s or the game of the century against Michigan State in 66. So it's like that, you know, the gloss comes off a little bit without Lawrence. But, um, you know, it's it's still just, uh, you know, it's the biggest game of Brian Kelly's tenure um, if if they win it. Um, And it's got a chance to really sort of, I think, re- reshape a little bit of the national perception of Notre Dame. And that's a, that would be a pretty powerful thing as well. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that. Um, in recent years, there's sort of been the stigma around Notre Dame that maybe they couldn't win the big one or compete with uh, the premier programs in college football right now. So what is different about this team as opposed to like in 2018 when they lost to Clemson in the uh, college football playoff? You know, it's a good question. I, I can't sit here and tell you what is different, like why that wouldn't happen again. Um, I, I would say that, you know, for there was the Alabama game in 2012 where they got played off the field. Uh, the Clemson game was close for a minute. Julian Love gets hurt. Clemson just completely exposes Notre Dame and the secondary gets blown out. Um, also, there was the Clemson game in 2015, which was a great game. Um, the two Georgia games, both great games. Um, the Florida State game with Jameis Winston in 2014, great game. Um, Notre Dame has lost on the final possession in these kinds of games way more than they get blown out. Um, I think they get unfairly dinged for the blowouts. And don't get me wrong, those were bad. But um, I think the real criticism for Notre Dame is less about why can't you compete with these teams more as much as why can't you get over the line against these teams? Not every time like Notre Dame doesn't have as much raw material as Clemson or Ohio state or Alabama, but they, they need to have a breakthrough where they win one of these games once. And so I think that's, to me, it's, it's less about how you look the, the blowouts from the perception of Notre Dame and more about finding the way to unlock these kinds of games uh, where you play a team with more talent than you, more coaching ability than you, uh, but you figure out a way how to win it. Um, Notre Dame has just, they haven't found out a way to win these games, um, but 
you know, you, you gotta, you gotta keep playing them until you, until you unlock it. Right. Like you're not going to, you're not going to learn how to beat Clemson by pounding Georgia tech and Louisville and Pittsburgh. Um, so I think that's why this game is, is interesting and fun. It's like Notre Dame gets another sh- another shot to see if they can sort of unlock a team like Clemson. Yeah. in a lot of ways it's sort of unfair. I mean, those are some of the best teams in college football, so it shouldn't be that shameful to lose, <laughs> you know, to a Clemson or an yeah, Alabama. Uh, I think it's just the, I think it's just the consistency of it. Um, you know, if Notre Dame had just gotten one of those games, like if they had beaten Georgia last year in Athens, I, I think the, the sort of narrative and discussion about this Clemson game would be a lot different. Um, yeah. You know, it's maybe not dissimilar to Michigan and Ohio state. Like Michigan probably doesn't need to beat Ohio state every time, but if they had just beaten them one time under Jim Harbaugh, I think we would be talking about that game a lot differently. And I think Notre Dame sort of has fallen into that trap where if you really lose this kind of game every time, it's, it's hard to have an argument that, you know, you're right there or you're closing the gap. You have to win it at least one time. And that's, you know, we'll see if Notre Dame can, can get that one time on Saturday. Yeah. And it's panning out that they may actually have uh, two chances this season. So uh, right. we'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, hey, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, Trevor Lawrence isn't playing Saturday. So uh, oh, really? you know, I, I, I hate to break news to you here on the podcast, but yeah. um, how does how does that change Notre Dame's game plan against Clemson? Um, DJ Uwe Angale, uh played well last Saturday. So you know, does the game plan change that much or how's the defense going to play the Clemson offense differently now? Well, I mean, I, I consider Trevor Lawrence the best college quarterback as a pro prospect since Andrew Luck. So I don't think you have to defend the entire field at all times the way you would with Trevor Lawrence. Um, I just think, you know, he is above and beyond a five-star prospect is, I, I guess, is the way to describe it. Right? And Uyunglele, may, maybe he will match that eventually. But first road start, um, you know, this is first really full week of practice as a starter too, right? Because you find out on Thursday that Hayes already in the barn for Boston College. Um, I think if you're Notre Dame, you could probably be a little bit more basic than uh, you would have been with Trevor Lawrence. I don't think, not that you're going to trick Trevor Lawrence, but I think you have to be very conscious of him picking out your tendencies as the game unfolds, whereas I'm not sure that is going to be the case with a freshman making his first start on the road. So maybe you load the box a little bit more. Um, maybe you sort of play the zone read to, for him to give it, because I really think that 30 yard TD run he had against Boston college was sort of one of those moments where you're like, all right, this is a little bit different than what you see from your typical quarterback. Not that Lawrence couldn't do that. He just didn't have to. Um, so that's, that's a little bit interesting. I, I don't know. It would be, I don't think Notre Dame is necessarily going to try to trick um, Clemson on Saturday night, but I, I don't think they have to be so hyper aware of uh, Tony Elliott picking out tendencies and then DJ Ungalale being able to to capitalize them on them just because he hasn't he hasn't done it uh, as much as as Trevor Lawrence has. Yeah, and props by the way on the pronunciation there. Have you Thank spent you. like I've been, work, I, I've been working on that? All right, I was going to ask you. I've put in a few hours. I think of a. Uh, of uh, mistakes here on the podcast, mispronouncing his name. So uh, I'm glad you're you're on top of it there. Okay, so after Notre Dame beat Georgia Tech, uh, you wrote that uh, the All-American safety Kyle Hamilton uh, is one of the reasons that Notre Dame could beat Clemson next week. Uh, for those of us, I must admit that I haven't seen a ton of Notre Dame uh, uh, play this year. So uh, tell 
tell us what makes them special. And then also, can you give us the names of some other players who uh, you think will swing this game in Notre Dame's favor? You know, Kyle Hamilton, number 14, is a sophomore safety, was a, a five-star, I think, on 24-7 sports. Um, he was 6'4", 220, 225, so he's really uniquely put together um, and incredibly studious, you know, study or of tape. And, you know, the plays he made against Georgia Tech, they had a fourth and two sort of reverse run through a first six-yard loss, two-point conversion, batted away. And I would say, like, the way he batted away that pass at the end of the game reminded me of Isaiah Simmons batting away that pass to Miles Boykin in the Cotton Bowl a couple of years oh, ago. Yeah. Like, yeah. very casual um, because he just knows where the ball is going to go at all at all times. And I do think this is unlike 2018, where I think you know Clemson's offensive skill firepower blew Notre Dame off the field. Um, I, Clemson to me is not nearly as good now as it was then uh, with. There's no T Higgins, no Justin Ross. You still have Amari Rogers. And I, and I would argue that Notre Dame's secondary is more athletic now than it was then. Um, even though they had some NFL guys in that group and Kyle Hamilton's a, a huge part of that. I think the other potential difference maker uh, is Jeremiah Wusu Koromo He's outside linebacker. They line him up over the slot. He's number six. Um, there's actually going to, I believe going to be a feature uh, on game day about him on Saturday. It, incredibly violent hitter um but also athletic to drop into coverage and take away a guy in the flat i think that matchup with travis Etienne, if, if they get going in the flat uh or they send out Etienne on a wheel route i would love to see wusu koromoa try to run with him and see what happens i mean that that would be one of those like first round pick on first round pick type of matchups um let the best man win but those are those are two guys i think in the back seven that Notre Dame didn't have the, those athletes two years ago. Um, and if Clemson was just as good now as they were then, I'm not necessarily sure that it would matter. But I, do, I don't see Clemson having that elite, scare you to death, wide receiver, really on, outside both numbers, right, with Higgins and Ross. Um, now it's just Rodgers. So I think that's one of the spots where I think Notre Dame has gotten closer to Clemson in the last two years. Um, but is that going to be enough on Saturday? I don't know. But Hamilton and Wusu Koromo, those are, those are elite defensive skill guys that Notre Dame doesn't have a lot of. All right. We'll definitely be keeping our, our eyes on those guys. And you, Notre Dame seems to be catching Clemson, as you mentioned, at the right time. They haven't, Clemson hasn't been able to keep their wide receivers on the field. And the guys who they thought were going to step up for sure haven't yet. And so uh, that's one of my big concerns going into this game. Absolutely. Um, let's, let's talk about Notre Dame's D or uh, offense real quick. And to me, Ian book is sort of an enigma. I, I just, I, I, like I said, I haven't watched a lot of, a, a lot of tape, but every time the stat lines don't seem to impress me, let's put it that way. And I know that's not fair. You shouldn't just look at the stat lines, but um, does the Notre Dame offense have, let's say this game gets into a shootout. Are they going to have enough firepower to keep up in a shootout type of game? No, absolutely not. I mean, a, 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 this is not a team built to score 35 points on Clemson. Um, and so how, like, how do you manage that? I think in some ways you have to, lean into that fact if, if you're Tommy Reese, their offensive coordinator, who is a former player here, is I, I would expect Notre Dame to play a lot of ball control, um, take the air out, shorten the game. Um, I think Notre Dame could definitely win a game in the 20s. If it gets into the 30s, 
I wouldn't feel good about that. If it gets in the high 30s, that's forget it. Um, I just don't think Notre Dame has that in its bag right now offensively. It's you know, you mentioned Clemson's receivers. They're still they have a they have a lot of potential guys that they're sorting through. Notre Dame doesn't really have even potential guys. It's it's as pedestrian a group of receivers as Brian Kelly has had. Um, they have a grad transfer from Northwestern who has started. Uh, Javon McKinley's a fifth year senior. Is, had a couple good games this season, but it's not, it's not somebody I think in a, in a big moment, you're going to be able to rely on a whole lot. So I, you know, Notre Dame has been very much a 12 personnel team, two tight ends. Their tight ends are really good. Uh, Michael Mayer is future pro for sure. He's a freshman. Uh, Tommy Tremble has been very good this year. Their offensive line has been solid to spectacular at times. So I would expect Notre Dame to know that it cannot win in a shootout and play accordingly on offense and defense. Um, and I think keeping the score down with your own offense, well, it sounds weird to say, I, I think that's Notre Dame's best shot to sort of get this into the fourth quarter and then, you know, take your chances if you can make a play here or there to get over the top. Yeah. Well, you may have answered my next, my next to last question here, and that was going to be, help me fill in the blank. Blank is why Notre Dame will beat Clemson. Um, I, I think Notre Dame's run game has to be as good as it's been all year. And they, they've had a lot of really good games. So it's not like they need to be out of character. Um, I think that the, you know, aside from the turnover stuff, that's obvious, but like Ian book will have to make a couple throws that he has not made this year. Um, I think that's where he would have to step out of character. And it's, I'm not talking about, he needs to hit a 60 yard post, um, but there have been some moments where they've had either Michael Mayer, one tight end or Tommy Trumbull, another tight end, like leak out on a wheel route and they're wide open for a, a 25 yard touchdown, you know, down by the five, 10 yard line where they would just walk in from there. Book is under a little bit of duress, floats the ball, um, you know, misses long on both of those. That to me, that's, that's the throw he has to make on Saturday night for Notre Dame to win. Cause I don't, you can't beat Clemson playing one-handed. Um, Notre Dame's one hand is really good. Like they have a great run game, but Clemson's going to be able to take that away with Brent Venables if Book cannot hurt them either in the play-action game or just finding tight ends down the seams. Um, that, that's to me. That's where that's the sort of the micro part about Book's game that has to be better on Saturday night than it really has been all season for Notre Dame to win. Man, it's going to be fun. I'm so excited for this. It's going to be a blast. All right. So last question. I don't know if you do predictions or not, but <laughs> what's kind of the, uh, what's the, what's your final headline, your post-game headline after this game? Oh, man. Um, I, I like Clemson to win the game. Um, not for any sort of like bad mojo of Notre Dame and big spots. I just think that they're more talented. Um, you know, they've got, they've got more options and I realize it's not a, it's not like the Clemson team of 2018 by any stretch right now. But um, I, I think that if book had shown me a little bit more over the previous six weeks, I think I would be willing to walk out on the limb and pick Notre Dame to win. Um, but, but I think for the, for Notre Dame to get this, he's going to have to do some things that he has not done all season. And it's hard for me to sort of just be like, okay, this is the week that's suddenly going to happen. Um, you know, in some ways this would be the least likely week that would happen because it's Brent Venables. Right. So, uh, I expect it will be a very good game. Um, you know, similar to Clemson in 2015 or the two Georgia games, 
but I, you know, it's, I could, it's hard for me to, to pick Notre Dame when you look at the rosters, the staff, the history of winning these kinds of moment in these moments. So, you know, I, I, something, you know, both teams score in the twenties, you're there, you're glued to your TV in the fourth quarter. I'm fortunate enough. I'll be there in the press box, but I think it's going to be a great game. Um, but it's more likely than not, it's going to be a great game that Clemson ultimately wins. Sure. Uh, we'll see though. I mean, this yeah. is probably the closest, uh, co- you know, a couple of weeks ago, I went after the, uh, I saw the Louisville result from Notre Dame. <laughs> I thought, oh, well, maybe this will be a joke of a game, but now things have really gotten interesting. So it'll be fun to watch for sure. So, uh, Hey, thanks Pete for coming on. And, uh, for our listeners out there, be sure to check out Pete's work at the, at the athletic. And Hey, can you tell us a little bit about your pod? You just had Mike Tarico on. That was a fun interview. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, so I do a podcast on the athletic called the shamrock. Um, we had Mike McGlinchey on a couple episodes ago, uh, former Notre Dame offensive lineman, Mike Tarico came on the show last week. Uh, tomorrow we'll be recording with, uh, Grace Rayner who comes in fans, Hopefully our reading, if you're not, what's the matter with you? Um, she's our, our beat reporter on the athletic does an outstanding job. So uh, we'll be talking, you really can't talk too much about Notre Dame Clemson, right? So um, it'll be a fun conversation with her tomorrow. And I think that podcast will go up uh, later in the week. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Grace is kind of on our bucket list to get around the, on the podcast here. So uh, go check her out on that episode and uh, be sure to follow Pete at uh, Pete Sampson underscore. All right, Pete, thanks for the time. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Be all in on the best Clemson podcast around by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And while you're there, it'd be cool if you left us a positive review.